You're listening to the Biz Library Podcast, a weekly discussion of important topics that affect both HR and learning and development professionals. Biz Library is dedicated to creating the best and most complete online learning solution that both engages employees and drives business results. For more resources like this podcast, be sure to head over to our website where you'll find up-to-date ebooks, infographics, and other resources, as well as SHRM and HRCI-approved webinars focused on creating better workplaces through great human resource practices and employee development. Hello, and welcome to the Biz Library Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Smith. And I'm Hannah Brenner. Today, we're talking about employee engagement. So, Derek, I'm really excited for this episode because I get to flip the script on you and um, you are here as our expert, as somebody who's been very interested in this topic and done a lot of research. And I know that we talked last year in a couple of episodes about this with Rusty Lindquist and Jeff Havens, and they both gave us really great insight. But I'm interested to know first, you know, what is it that made you so excited about this topic? Um, and what's something that maybe is a misconception about employee engagement and why employees are disengaged? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, employee engagement is very much sort of a controversial topic around here, uh, mostly because a lot of times prospects and, and people that may are interested in our content library uh, come to us and say we have an issue with employee engagement and we're looking to solve it um, through training. It might help. Uh, employee engagement is often uh, a, a underlying issue that's caused by a bigger issue. So finding what's causing disengagement um, is really the most important thing. And so the misconceptions are that employee engagement is in and of itself is something that an organization has to some degree. Uh, But in reality, employee engagement is the result of a number of factors that exist within an organization. So it's it's never as simple as people want it to be. Yeah, and I know we will definitely get to what those different causes could be and what the underlying factors are. But at the end of the day, there is a disengagement problem in our workforce today, isn't there? Oh, absolutely. Uh, A Gallup poll recently uh, in 2016, revealed that about 85% of the global workforce is disengaged, which is crazy to think about because the global uh, GDP is $87 trillion. So there's a huge problem here. We have only 15% of our workforce engaged. We have almost unlimited resources. $87 trillion could solve a lot of problems, but it hasn't solved the engagement problem yet. It maybe is the most pervasive problem across all organizations. So it's absolutely a global crisis in many ways. Uh, Especially, I think, when you break down why we want engagement, it gets really fascinating that we haven't been able to solve this because an engaged employee is so valuable to a company. I'm going to read a couple stats here that I've collected. Um, And again, these are from Gallup. But an employee who is highly engaged um, reports 37% lower absentee absenteeism, pardon me, um, 10% higher customer metrics, 21% higher productivity, and 22% higher profitability. Uh, It really doesn't make sense not to solve this challenge when you look at how valuable an engaged employee is. Definitely. And so when we look at an engaged employee versus maybe a somewhat disengaged versus an actively disengaged employee. You know, there are definitely levels within engagement. So how do we recognize maybe 
those middle of the road people who aren't super engaged but are also not actively disengaged so that we can target those people yeah it's a, it's a great question um i think that a lot of this kind of comes down to engaged versus satisfied um in an ebook that i recently wrote i sort of created a grid um where on the the x-axis you have satisfied and on the y-axis you have engaged to disengaged so satisfied to dissatisfied because it's possible to be satisfied with your job but disengaged an example that i used in the ebook is jim halpert from the office right he goofs off at work um he's just there to kind of have fun and pull pranks he does just enough to skate by not getting in trouble uh, but he's a very high potential guy when he really wants to and he's done it in the show he closes sales um, he's determined and, and he gets what he wants which is good for a company but that company Dunder Mifflin this fictional company isn't able to get that those results from him all the time because he's not actively engaged although he's satisfied he's not in any risk of, of leaving at any time uh, on the other side of the spectrum you can be engaged and dissatisfied and an example that I use for that is Detective Elliot Stabler from Law & Order SVU. Um, Detective Stabler is uh, very engaged. You know, he has a mind for justice. He wants to see criminals um, put behind bars. But he's, he's sort of that edgy cop that, that likes to live on the edge and, and maybe push boundaries. And he doesn't like the bureaucracy. And, um, we, you know, we, we all know the sort of the archetype of this, this police officer who, who pushes the envelope. So he's very dissatisfied with the rules that have been put on him. He's dissatisfied with the processes that he's forced to go under. You know, he'd rather push every suspect against a wall and interrogate them, but he can't do that. So he likes his job. He knows what he's doing is important. He's engaged with his work, but he hates where he works. Uh, and so he's he's maybe someone that, uh, you know, they're engaged, but you have to also recognize that they're dissatisfied. But they're two different things. Um I don't want to go on for too long here, but I want to give an example of a satisfied and an engaged employee. And I used Leslie Nope from Parks and Rec. Um, Leslie Nope is absolutely dedicated to her job. She loves where she works, and she, get, she gets great results from that. Her, her life almost is all about her job. When she's out of the office, she's still working. So it doesn't have to be that way for everyone. We all need a work-life balance. But uh, Leslie Nope is very much someone that's satisfied and engaged. So I hope those examples sort of help color, um, you know, where we can place our employees on this grid. Definitely. And for new listeners to our podcast, something that you will learn about Derek is any chance he can throw in a reference to the office, he will. So, of course, he snuck in um, that Jim reference there. But I do want to talk about that type of employee, the employee who is a high potential, um, who, you know, is not necessarily engaged. So you mentioned at the beginning, we need to find the underlying factor. So what are some of those factors that maybe are holding people back who have great potential, but are not engaged in their work, but they're somewhat satisfied? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the the prototypical engaged employee, and employee is sort of a weird word to use here, but is an entrepreneur. So someone that kind of wants to create their own business, that has an idea and a mission, uh, and wants to put something out into the world that they own. Um, so there's four distinct types of, of entrepreneurs that have been identified in a, in a study that I've read, uh, and those are passionate creators, freedom seekers, legacy builders, and then struggling survivors, which... Um, 
uh, maybe are less engaged. So I want to focus on those first three, the passionate creators, the freedom seekers, and the legacy builders. Almost all of us can be put into one of those categories, whether we, um, what we want out of our jobs, um, what we want to contribute to the world. Uh, any of those reasons that people start a business are also the reasons that people maybe would be engaged with an existing business. So identifying what motivates an employee is the first step that you want to take and, and figuring out kind of who they are as a person is going to help you understand how they become engaged. Definitely. And I know that both uh, last year, Jeff Havens and Rusty Linquist talked about the why and that importance of really focusing on the why. So maybe for those who missed those episodes, can you fill our listeners in on what they talk about when they say, you know, connecting people to the why to help them find that motivation? Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is actually a, a great transition to something I want to talk about, which is a, a SHRM study that was done in 2016. Uh, I'm sorry, in 2015. Um, so the study kind of uh, surveyed hundreds of thousands of employees and, and, and noted, segmented it based on how engaged they were. And what they found was that there's really six or seven different conditions that are met in an engaged employee. Uh, one of those is relationship with coworkers, the relationship with the immediate supervisor, uh, the contribution of work to the organization's business goals, the meaningfulness of the job, and their opportunities to use skills and abilities, and then the work itself, so what they're actually working on. Um, and I sort of broke those down into three different outputs that sort of equal a Venn diagram, if you will, of, of employee engagement. So the first uh, part of this Venn diagram is the relationship com- conditions that you have. So you want to get along with your coworkers. I think uh, two in ten people surveyed in the Gallup poll said they had a best friend at work. And those people are almost always engaged. For some reason or another, when we have close friends at work um, – we're more engaged. And then the relationship with the immediate supervisor is also important. And I think that makes a ton of sense, right? If you don't like who you're working for, why are you, you have no incentive really uh, to, to offer them anything but enough. Um, but if you, ha- if you have a gr- strong relationship with someone, you're incentivized then based on your relationship to go above and beyond for that person. So it really is, uh, in often cases, I think, a leadership issue. Um, and especially a manager issue when you have low engagement is that's maybe the first place I would start is, is look at what's that relationship like? Is that manager able to build relationships? Um, the output conditions are sort of what the employee um, puts in or, or puts out of the work, obviously output. Um, so those are using their skills and abilities, contribution to goals, and the work itself. These overlap a ton with each other, especially like relationship con- conditions, right? So if you, if you have a strong relationship with your supervisor, they're more likely to know what your skills and abilities are, even those ones that are sort of hidden um, that you don't get to use. For instance, we get to use our, our podcasting skills, which <laughs> we never really advertised, but we've built up, and, and now we get to use them, and we're more satisfied and engaged because of that. So, um, you know, those, those are sort of the – that's sort of a rough model, I think, to look at employee engagement – as a set of factors, um, and those are great places to start. I would say what you're asking the employee to do and then how you're asking that through the supervisor. Definitely. And so you mentioned leadership and direct supervisors as being maybe one of those reasons for why an employee may not be engaged. What are some others that you've come across as you know big indicators of disengagement or reasons for disengagement beyond just leadership yeah absolutely i think the the big one here is the work you're asking them to do keep in mind employees come to your job come to their job 
a minimum of 40 hours a week, right? They, they spend most of their time at work. Um, on top of that, you know, you're, you're asking them to spend at least a year with your company most often. Nobody wants high turnover. So they're putting a significant time investment into your company. And you want to reward that, I think, with asking them to work on something important. Everybody wants to do something big with their life. Nobody wants to um, sort of push papers their entire career. Um, and so that that's what I think really uh, it boils down to is are you giving them meaningful opportunities? Are you giving them opportunities to really utilize their skills? Uh, are they given opportunities for growth? So that's what I think a lot of people have identified, and that's why they come to Biz Library is people say, well, there's no really growth options here. Okay, well, then let's let's get a program to really develop your skills so that you can grow. But growth is, is sort of a, a weird thing because you don't have to be promoted to grow. And so uh, having those opportunities just to learn new skills, apply them, because people want to contribute, right? When they first started an organization, they're at peak engagement. They really have bought into the organization. They, they have, they've seen only the best things you have to offer at this point. It's right after the interview, sort of an onboarding process. They don't know who they don't like. They don't know what they don't know about the organization. So when they, when they start to become disillusioned is when that um, starts to fall away. What you can do is anticipate this because it's going to happen no matter what. They're going to see things that they don't always like or agree with. Um, but understanding that that's going to happen is okay. But make sure that you're doing things to sort of when they start to lose that engagement, that peak engagement, make sure that it's not such a hard fall. There's things you can do within your organization to do that. Um, you know, it could be as simple as, as the space that you provide. Is it a, is it a good place to work? Um, is the work <clears> – <throat> are you giving them work that, that really does contribute to the bottom line of your industry, or are you asking them to edit reports all day? Um, at the end of the day, I, I really think it is about how important the work is. The employee understands how it contributes to the bottom line, and they know that they're important to your organization. They want to feel important, so you make them feel important by asking them to do important things. Definitely, and something that you said that I want to reiterate is that idea of, you know, feeling connected to what you're doing, liking what you do, not just pushing papers. And I think that any employee, no matter how long you're at an organization, is going to go through that roller coaster of times when they are super engaged and maybe times when they're not as engaged. So myself, as an example, anybody who knows me knows that the most exciting time of year for me is right before our annual client conference Align, which I'm in charge of and I absolutely love. It's my favorite part of my job. So that is when I am most engaged. But as an employee who's been here for over four years now, there are definitely times when I'm not as engaged. And so as managers or as leaders, how do you recognize when your employees are going into one of those slumps? And how do you help them get out of it so they're not stuck in that slump and end up another Jim Halpert? Yeah, absolutely. So I think you sort of mentioned this, and, and this is sort of based off of research that Rusty Lindquist has conducted and shared with us. Um, but I think you, you sort of answered that in your question, right? You talk about a line. A line is not just uh, you plan it the day before and then it goes, right? <laughs> Wouldn't that be great if right. it was that simple? <laughs> but uh, a line happens in September, um, and I think we got our first Align projects to work on uh, January yeah. Or, or even December, maybe. Um, so it, it takes nine months almost to to get a line plan. That's a big, big thing. 
Um, at the end of that, after you've done all this work, you've you've pulled off an impressive project. That's I think one of the biggest places where someone can lose their engagement is they finished. They have all this momentum working towards something huge, and then it's done. And now it's like, where do we go now? Nothing else seems as important after you've done something important. So it kind of goes back to that that work thing. You know, keep keep opportunities available for people to work on important things. You know, we all recognize that sometimes we're going to have to push papers, and we're going to have to fill out reports, and we're going to have to do things that aren't always fun. But as long as we understand the why, why we have to do that, why it helps us, why it helps our coworkers who we have good relationships with, then eventually, uh, you know, we can sort of minimize that that time, that downtime where we start to lose engagement. Definitely. And so I want to go to the negative end of this spectrum. I don't know if you were expecting me to go this route or not, but at what point do you have to cut your losses and have that tough conversation with a disengaged, dissatisfied employee? How do you recognize when they are just beyond um, being able to save? Maybe they're starting to impact and affect those around them and create this bubble of disengagement. How do you recognize when that is? And then how do you go about that conversation? Yeah, absolutely. You know, something I think is kind of cool is when statistics match up to each other. Um, so we, we talked about 15% of the global workforce is engaged. We also have mostly all heard the Pareto principle, which is that 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people. So 80% of uh, of a end result is accomplished by the work by 20% of the work. And I think when you look at 15% and 20%, I would imagine that there's significant overlap between people who are engaged and those top 20% of people producing 80% of the value of a business. I think it really depends on the, on the company. If someone is part of that 20%, they're not someone you need to worry about or keep an eye on. You want to keep them engaged in their strategies to do that. But if you're looking at people who are disengaged, they're part of that 80% who aren't providing as much contribution. So we, we kind of know who those people are already because we've hopefully we've kept an eye on sort of the outcomes that they're, they're working with and, and We've tied their we we've defined what their success looks like, and we're able to measure if they've achieved that success or not. Um, if they're consistently not doing it, if we've tried everything in our toolkit to coach them to get them skilled up to where they should be successful, and they're still not, then that's more of an issue with that person's intrinsic motivation. You know, at the end of the day, we can do we can do all this stuff to sort of optimize our organization, but it still depends on who we're hiring. Uh, who we're bringing in. And if we're bringing in people that aren't ready to, to do this work or who don't believe in what we're doing or don't see the importance in what we're doing, at the end of the day, there is a time where we need to cut them. So, you know, give people chances, coach them, uh, do everything that you can and put the ball in their court. And if they decide to drop the ball, then uh, you should have no problem letting them go. So for those listeners who um, are feeling a little down by all of these statistics and realizing the percentage of people disengaged, the percentage of people not producing, you know, the impactful work, and they want to be better. I want to be better than these statistics. What's your advice for them of how to go about getting a more engaged workforce that can then have more output? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think you sort of said something there that they're feeling down. Well, action, I've always found, is the best way to cure anxiety. Um, and so... 
first of all, know that there is something you can do about it. And not only that, but 15% of the global workforce is engaged. That probably means that if you can get your company above that average, then you're going to beat your competitors in many ways because they're probably part of that 15% still. I mean, chances are uh, that they have low engagement too. So if you can build that up, then you're doing your business a great service because remember, all the benefits that come with an engaged employee. So uh, get action right away. I've created a checklist, and it's available for download. We'll have it in the show notes. Um, But there's sort of different steps. So step one I would do is define your company if you haven't done this already. Create an emotional why statement for why you exist. And you want it to be emotionally compelling. One that I love is by BarkBox, which is a a monthly subscription that sends toys to your dogs. Uh, We have this in my house, and their why statement is, at Bark, we want to make dogs as happy as they make us. Okay, If you're a dog person like I am, it's so easy to buy into that. So uh, I think if you haven't done that already, that's a great place to start, is to create your, your why statement and define what your company does and why you exist. The second is to really develop your, your strong leadership team. We talk about this all the time. There's episodes we have on this podcast about developing your leadership, and there's plenty of resources at Biz Library about this. Uh, but ultimately, so much of this falls on your leadership that if they're not shored up, you can almost be certain that the reason why you're seeing disengagement is because of your leadership. Third is evaluate what you're providing employees in the forms of, of meaningful work, um, job descriptions that are accurate, that fit the, the, the work that you're asking people to do, um, and, and providing opportunities to people. That's another thing that you provide is opportunities. Step four is if you've done all this, take a look at who you're hiring. Uh, it sort of goes back to what Hannah was asking about previously. But if you've done all this, if you really believe in your leadership, if you believe in your company's um, statement and you provide opportunities for people and they're still not engaged, then it's probably more on them than it is on you at this point. So evaluate that and and see how you can improve that. And we also have resources and podcast episodes about recruiting and and best practices and finding people. So uh, that's sort of a four-step process. Obviously, there's more to it than that, but that's a great framework to begin with. Definitely. Well, I think this is the first time I've ever said this. We are starting to run out of time um, here on the episode today, but I wanted to just get your parting thoughts in terms of, you know, any other golden nuggets that you have in all the research that you've done um, and the work that you've done for, you know, our blog, our different eBooks and things. Um, What other parting thoughts do you have on this topic of engagement? Yeah, I would just say, your organization is your people. Who, you, who your people are make up who your organization is. Okay, Engagement is such an important, crucial thing. We already understand how many benefits there are to an engaged employee. If you can raise that average up to 30% of your workforce, to 40% of your workforce, imagine what you could do in the marketplace. If you have that huge advantage over your competitors, remember, an engaged employee is 22% more profitable. If 40% of your employees are more profitable than your competitors, what do you think is going to happen to your market share? And while it's still a difficult thing to do, it's it's incredibly important. So I really recommend um, seeing what you can do about engagement and really taking stock in your organization. Of course. Well, Derek, thank you. First time we've ever had host as guests. So this was fun for me to um, ask you the questions for once instead of you ask me or a guest um, and hopefully everybody gained some new insight into employee engagement. I know that I definitely did. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us today. 
We hope you enjoyed our discussion on employee engagement. Here are three takeaways from this week's discussion. First, optimizing your organization for engagement isn't easy, but it is possible. Second, an engaged employee is a valuable asset. The more engaged employees that you can create, the better you position your company. And third, low engagement is never a standalone issue. It's often caused by larger issues. Examine your leadership and evaluate what you're asking your employees to do. This podcast is brought to you by Biz Library, your online learning partner. For more information, visit us online at www.bizlibrary.com resources. Every week, we like to spotlight one of the free resources Biz Library offers to help our listeners master the concepts and our key takeaways. This week, check out our free ebook called Real Strategies to Improve Employee Engagement. You can find a link to this ebook in the show notes or on the Biz Library website on the resources page. If you'd like to appear on the Biz Library podcast or suggest a topic for discussion, visit us on Twitter at BizLibrary or email us at hannah at bizlibrary.com. Don't forget to click subscribe, leave a rating on iTunes, and share this episode with friends through social media. Thanks for listening, and until next time, I'm Derek Smith. And I'm Hannah Brenner. See you next week.